it is hard because on a daily basis, I have to accept my fear. Fear is only proof that we are doing something new and we are learning because without fear, it means that we do already what we know. Welcome to Venturing Women, the podcast about female founders, investors, and ecosystem enablers. Have you ever thought about the journey that coffee beans make to end up in your cup? All the way through from farmers in Colombia or Kenya to your coffee maker. And what does artificial intelligence have to do with it? Hi, I'm Daria Komkalova, and today I have a perfect guest to find answer to all these questions. Darina Onoprienko is the founder and CEO of Agrovero AI. It's a technology company that develops solutions for quality control and traceability of green coffee and other agricultural products. As a public speaker and educator, Darina shared her entrepreneurial journey at around 30 events internationally, including a keynote at AI of a Good Conference organized by the United Nations. She has been recently featured by Letter Capital on the list of 100 Russian-speaking female tech founders. Hi, Darina. Hi, Daria. Welcome to the show. When I first looked up your LinkedIn profile, I somehow expected you as a founder of an AI company to have a technical background, but that's not the case. Your university degrees are in political science, in innovation management and entrepreneurship. So here's the first question. How does it feel to be a CEO of an AI company without a degree in computer science? (laughs) Yeah, very good question. It happened that I did not study tech in university, but it does not mean that I didn't acquire skills as I worked. After I graduated from my master's in innovation management, I got to work in in tech, basically. What I was doing is tech innovation, coming up with ideas, validating, building prototypes, uh, MVPs, uh, launching for accelerators, for company builders. And what I kind of figured out that I was always lacking tech understanding for very crucial decisions. I felt that it would be so much easier if I knew exactly like what those people do. I mean, software developers, hardware developers, uh, machine learning engineers. And actually, two years ago, I did a data science bootcamp in Berlin, and that changed my life. Uh, First of all, it gave me lots of confidence. And it also gave me the same language to um, use to work together with the tech team. And right now it helps me enormously because basically whatever decisions we have to make, they are crucial for our business, but they are a lot about tech and understanding the trade-off between accuracy, amount of data, their different models, the experiments. Even though I don't code or I did not code after the bootcamp, the knowledge I got there was so important to work together with a tech team and run a tech company. I think it's important to immerse yourself once at least in acquiring those tech skills. Either it's an online course or a boot camp, whatever it takes. I don't think without it is <laughs> possible <laughs> to make right decisions. Yeah. When we talk about technology and Agrovera, your company specifically, what kind of technology do you 
employ. Can you tell us more about the product itself? Sure. First of all, to start with which problem we solve. Green coffee, whenever it's traded between parties across the supply chain, has to be checked. The physical condition of coffee influences the price. So whenever coffee is sold from one party to another, they do this uh, manual quality check. That is very inaccurate because human beings are not so good in repetitive uh, routine tasks, like looking at the bunch of beans. And also those checks take lots of time. And uh, basically, we try to uh, replicate this process, what humans do right now with the AI. And we scan the beans, we take a picture of the beans on the background, and then we have the whole AI pipeline to actually make sense out of what is on the picture. There is a bunch of things, but it's all about computer vision, image processing, applying different machine learning models, and finally delivering the result to the customers in a dashboard so they can make sense out of their data. So for those who are not necessarily familiar, including myself, with the quality control processes in the coffee industry, when you say humans physically check the beans, how does it happen? I'm trying to understand. Do they just take a portion of the beans from a specific batch and then they only check the portion and sort of extrapolate the quality assessment to the whole batch? Is that how it happens? Yeah, exactly. Very precise description. They can trade several bags in a lot and uh, basically they would collect a sample from several bags. Sample in coffee, the standard one is 350 grams. Sometimes they take smaller ones, but it doesn't matter. In the end of the day, it is a calculation of defects per sample. And sample is seen as a statistical representation of the whole lot. So it takes a while to look at every bean, actually. And uh, that's why the process is uh, really, it's a bottleneck for the industry because a lot of purchasing decisions are made on this data. And until you actually receive the results of this physical analysis of coffee, you cannot go on or you cannot buy that coffee. There is a line of farmers standing at your dry meal waiting until you check their coffee before you buy it and all that stuff. So it's really a big problem at the origins, the countries that produce coffee. It is still a problem in a destination, as they say, so in Europe or North America, because the process is eventually the same. How did you come up with an idea to build a company to solve the problems of the coffee industry? So there are two main reasons. So first of all, I'm a coffee fan. And a few years ago, I just got into the specialty coffee field and started to try different coffees and read on what happens before coffee gets into our cup. Because very often we don't ask ourselves this question. We just expect it to magically appear in the cup and uh, we can enjoy it every morning, but there is so much of work going into that crop before it ends up where we uh, used to see it. So that was like genuine interest and a hobby of mine. And then it happened that in parallel, I was running a startup for a company builder. 
it was an insured tech space and eventually like our customers were shippers like people who ship stuff around the world and appeared that Germany is the second biggest importer of coffee worldwide. So lots of containers that come into ports of Hamburg and Bremen, they actually contain coffee. I basically got to know the coffee traders and I also got to know their problem with quality because quality influences enormously their purchasing or trading decisions. Basically, I started to dig deeper. And that was a moment in my life when I needed to kind of decide what I do next. Those two reasons came together, my genuine passion for coffee and the first idea of the problem. I went to Colombia. I went to study what, what happens at the origin. I went to see how coffee is produced then sold from producers to like at the purchase points and then it goes to the dry meal. So basically I visited all the locations, spent a few weeks at the farms, met a lot of people from cooperatives, uh, from farmer associations. And it was then clear that I really want to work on that challenge. <laughs> But when you went to Colombia, you didn't have a clear intent that this is something like a business trip, right? Or was it somewhere in between? You know, you sort of anticipated, ah, it could be a beginning of something big. Yeah. So I already had an idea that it's going to be a, a business. <laughs> But the point is, it was a part of user research. So I was really like, I structured it properly. I had list of questions. I had list of people I wanted to talk to. So those first customer development interviews, basically. But what I figured out that the problem I was trying to solve was too complex because I really wanted to go for like full traceability in coffee supply chain. How can I make it happen? But as I started to work in the field and I visited those farmers, I realized the problem is much more trivial. The problem is just like about figuring what's the quality of beans. That also led us to figuring out what would be the right technology to do that. Initially, I thought, oh, we would go into like really deep tech. We need spectrometers and we need to apply all those like super precise lab methods to understand where coffee comes from. But actually, in the end, it was much simpler that we can apply a bunch of like image processing computer vision to solve a problem that's much simpler is analyzing beans by how they look. <laughs> you showed me you showed me your hardware on video. Can you describe uh, your physical product for the listeners? What does it look like? Yeah. So hardware is not our core, as they say, it's just an enabler. So that's a light box, uh, let's say 30 by 30 by 30, with a sample tray where beans are spread, and uh, we take a picture from the top. And this is important to ensure the consistency of analysis across the entire supply chain. Wherever coffee is analyzed, it will be analyzed with the same condition. So we really do try to go minimal about this hardware setup, It's affordable to farmers. 
especially medium and large size. It's affordable, of course, for other players. And I really do believe that, yeah, whenever we talk about any physical component in the product, especially in this industry, we have to make sure it is cost efficient and it's easy to scale. And that's our main guideline for developing what we have now. <laughs> a farmer would use a light box, put the beans into the light box on this tray, and then use a camera to take a picture of these beans. And this picture will be analyzed with the software of Agribero. Is that a correct depiction? Yeah, very precise. We basically send pictures to the cloud, and this is where all our algorithms are running. But yeah, from the user perspective, that's exactly what happens. When you think about this trip, can you share any stories or any examples of what you've experienced there that really inspired you and convinced you that you're on track, you're on the right way, and you really need to build the product that you were trying to build? Yeah, there were several moments like that. One, I was at the purchase point of a cooperative where farmers come on the weekend to sell their coffee. And already at that point, I was uh, collecting the data, was doing those short interviews with farmers who were at the purchase point and also taking the samples that we analyzed later. And whenever I talked to them, they had so much hope in their eyes that we will develop something that will help them to produce better coffee and earn more because this is commodity market and uh, their prices are so low, but the costs of production are so high and it's really a big crisis in coffee that farmers are not earning enough and are not remunerated properly and fairly. And there was so much hope, like very strange to this outsider white girl sitting there at the purchase point talking to them, but probably thinking about helping them. There was a lot of hope from their side and I could not, I was just like, I have to do it. That was an important moment for me, like emotionally, when it is really hard <laughs> and I'm asking myself, why, why am I doing it? <laughs> this is one of the moments I remember. <laughs> and uh, then, of course, like a few meetings with um, people who uh, represent the Uh, producers association, so FNC, Federación Nacional de Cafeteros. Uh, a few meetings with them helped me to scale down my ambition, like on what kind of problem I'm solving, because they told me immediately, hey, Darina, what you are thinking about is like, would be cool, but probably like in some 10, 15 years, you know what we are struggling with? with the basic stuff, those beans, how to analyze those beans accurately. We are struggling with this. But yeah, that is for organizations, of course. But for farmers, 
they just don't have the knowledge to analyze the quality of coffee they produce. And this is the biggest impact that we are creating in the world that with our product, they finally have the knowledge to know how good their coffee is to improve it and to sell for better prices. It's interesting that, and here I'm going to go back to the beginning of this interview, you are an outsider in the coffee industry, right? A white girl from Europe coming over to Colombia trying to identify the problems to solve and then to actually deliver the solutions. At the same time, again, going back to the beginning of our conversation, you didn't have the technical background in AI, right, in machine learning. So it's like being an outsider from two standpoints, right? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever had moments of self-doubt? <laughs> I have them daily. <laughs> <laughs> I keep on doubting myself. You know, there are always good days and bad days. On the good days, it's much easier to believe in yourself. But on the bad days, this is where you actually test the ground, you know. <laughs> and um, what I learned this year, because starting a company, even already having some experience, right? I worked in tech, though I was not in a tech position, but I kind of saw and experienced some parts of what it means to start a company. But when you really do it honestly, without any compromise by yourself. This is hard and rewarding at the same time. <laughs> it is hard because on a daily basis, I have to accept my fear. Fear is only proof that we are doing something new and we are learning because without fear, it means that we do already what we know. And this year taught me how to accept my fear and act despite it. It will not go away, but if you want to make your dreams come true or you want to get the results, you got to work and do what is necessary despite the fear. What kind of fear is that? Because we all fear very different things. Well, my biggest fears, I guess, that I'm not good enough for what I'm doing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it took me a therapy of a few years to learn more about it and learn where it comes from. So I would advise anyone to, <laughs> to do that if something stops you in your life, you know. Sometimes we don't know what stops us from living the life that we want and that we are true, but like we feel that it's really what we want, you know, and um, figuring out what the things that stopped me, that helped me a lot. And my self-confidence can only improve if I achieve in a way certain things that are important to me. But if I'm stopped by fear, I will never achieve them. So it will be like a vicious circle. So then I kind of learned that I do have to deal with that fear of yeah, not being good enough. And I guess I have imposter syndrome, as many of us and even like most uh, successful from outside 
like we always think people on LinkedIn posting all, <laughs> all stuff, blah, blah, blah. They are like super successful and they have no <laughs> issues, fears and whatsoever, but they probably also do. Even Elon Musk does. I was so surprised and so relieved to read his tweet, I think, when he was launching a Tesla into space, right? He tweeted how terrified he was, how how much fear he had that something will go wrong. And there are so many things that can go wrong when you're launching stuff into space, apparently. <laughs> so I thought, wow, if even Elon Musk has these doubts, you know, and fears, I think it's okay that ordinary people like myself also have them. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's so important that we are aware of it. It's not healthy to deny it. On the long run, it, this is something that will burn you out from the inside. Sharing openly that you are afraid of something, it also helps. And of course, for that, you need trust and people you work with should be able to just listen to you and maybe not even offer any solution because there is no real solution to this. But just like admit that you and anyone else can be afraid of things. But if we don't act on them, like Elon Musk, you know, he just, he's fearful but he sends tesla in space so yeah i guess that's the way to go <laughs> your co-founder who's also female a female cto which is again not that typical is also a friend of yours so do you have this kind of conversations in your team and more broadly how do you support each other mm-hmm yeah, that was one of the discoveries, biggest discoveries for me, how amazing <laughs> it is to work with her. <laughs> so just like a bit of a story, um, we lived together in a shared flat before, like five or six years ago. And that's how we met. So I was at that point working on different projects, running startups, launching products, prototypes, etc. very focused on learning and improving her skills. And we became friends, like almost immediately, the moment we met. And uh, it was a really lovely time to that we had when we lived together. When I started Agrivero, I um, knew about her background. And she was already in the space of uh, computer vision image processing. I reached out to her, hey, Lena, I'm looking for someone with computer vision uh, image processing background to work with me on my project. And then she looked at the job description I put together and she was like, oh, I really want to do it. <laughs> Can I apply for this job? <laughs> for her... It was a big decision to move from a secure nine-to-five job into an unknown, uncertain world of entrepreneurship with me. Even like it helped her because she knew me and she knew what I can do, but it was a very big, difficult step. 
So we started to work full time together in uh, January. So it's been almost a year. And there were difficult moments for us during that time. And clearly, uncertainty doesn't help. It just makes it worse. Sometimes emotionally, it's unbearable. And I'm so thankful that we can talk about anything. If she fears that something does not work, or she fears that she cannot achieve it, or she fears that we are not on the right track, she just tells me that. And for me, her openness helped me so much to make the right decisions. A few times we cried on... uh, Zoom or whatever. (laughs) She cried and I cried and (laughs) we both cried. (laughs) Uh, But then it was always a relief and understanding that something has to change or we have to look for a solution. So for her, I know it was a really hard year and it is still there are some difficulties to overcome, but I feel that we are so much stronger together that we can overcome it. (laughs) Yeah. I do have to deliver results and be confident and stuff. I think she deserves to know what happens inside of me because it's also a business risk, you know? (laughs) If I'm not feeling good, it's a business risk. And uh, that's why she knows what happens inside. (laughs) Do you have any other co-founders? I feel just when you are like entrepreneur and a team working on like such an early stage, working on the product, the amplitude between good days and bad days is like just enormous. And I think what's tiring is not those different emotions, but that the intensity of the shift between good and bad is uh, really, you know, high (laughs) And uh, basically, you get tired of this roller coaster that you just, in one day, you can have a good and bad day. (laughs) Yeah, but eventually, it is a good day. (laughs) Do you have any coping mechanisms how you handle those sways and this amplitude? Sport helps a lot. And uh, I just know there will be a good day. <laughs> it's a great strategy. You know, if, even if it's a bad day, they, a good day will come. Yeah. <laughs> Super positive. You know? <laughs> Thanks, Darina. Thank you for such a, an open and honest and sincere conversation. Thank you, Daria. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, share it with friends. Subscribe to our feed on Apple Podcasts or in your podcast app to never miss a new episode. Leave a review in the app you use. Reviews help us to get better and let more people discover this podcast. For updates, follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Telegram. 